I'm Laura Zach. And I'm Brittany Ashley. And this is Sicker Sadder World. A podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria and relate it to our current world. So I just heard some big news. Um, I read it on a group text. Is it that my depression got picked up for another season? hey Insert pa-dum-pum-ching. Um, again, playing with a new program, editing software, and new soundboard, so we're all enjoying that. Um, no, I, I learned that they used a Melissa Etheridge song in an Applebee's commercial, which is both, both heartening and troubling. I also found out a piece of information, but it's more fun than anything, which is that the set where they shot the prom in Jawbreaker is the same set that they shot the prom in, in Buffy. Huh. That that uh, school is a real hoe. Yeah, I, I reread the oral history of Jawbreaker and uh, that came Reread. Up. Reread, yeah. It's saved as one of my bookmarks, actually. Who's the principal of that school? Miss Lee, am I right? <laughs> Anything for a buck. Uh, another fun thing I learned today is your fave of your dreams, Laura Dern, um, apparently on the set of Star Wars. What was the name of the most recent one? Uh, um, the Revenge of the... It was Force Awakens, right? Laser. Right. The Revenge of the Laser Awakening. Um, she, they, It was really hard for them to find a take. I guess they didn't notice this while they were shooting because maybe it was so noisy on set during the battle scenes, but it was really hard in the aftermath for them to find a take where she was shooting a gun without saying pew, pew, pew. pew. Yeah. Oh, so you saw this. Yeah. I just, I, wanted you to, I just want to let you finish. It's an amazing gem. It makes me love her even more. She's a good girl. She's a good girl, that Laura Dern. Well, I have a lot to say about this episode. Do you have a lot to say about this episode? I could. It sort of like depends on how deep we want to go. This was an episode that was was hinting at a lot of depth, but you could like take it on the surface or you could go there. So I have a lot to say if we go there, but not so much if we flit along the surface. Well, let's see where we turn out. La 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 la. La 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 la. This is my style. Got to get up, or I might fall. Excuse me. Excuse me. I've got to be Season 4, episode 11, Groped by an Angel, which is a play on the TV series Touched by an Angel, which I never watched. Did you watch? I feel like I watched it a couple times when I was homesick from school. It was it was like two dudes, one of whom rode a motorcycle in like Sick. the desert. Is this real? I don't know. 
Yeah, and I don't know if they were, if, like, the one guy was an angel or, yeah, I'm unclear. I couldn't tell you what it was about, but I do vaguely remember the opening sequence. Well, we know the best show with angel in the name. Just the, the titular, angel, yeah. the titular show, yeah. So the episode opens with Jake not knowing how to install what looks like a chandelier. And let's just keep that in our back pockets for now because, yes, it does come back. Quinn is watching a hard to tell if it's a film slash documentary slash lifetime movie about a guardian angel who helps a woman change her flat tire in the winter. And I think just right off the bat, I have to ask. One, do you believe in guardian angels? And two, have you ever seen the movie The Spirit of Christmas? Um, you know what? It's it's take like up, you take just... in what, in whatever order you'd like. <laughs> it's like you just asked me two of the same question. Uh, I, that was like a redundant <laughs> series of questions. I have not seen it. Uh, and do you know what it's about? Oh wait, we watched the trailer together. Remember, it's about the woman who. Who moves? Okay, I watched it around Christmas time, and it was better wow, just than just blowing past whether or not I believe in guardian I'm, angels. I'm just giving, I'm just giving everyone the just the rundown of what the spirit of Christmas is about. Um, it is about this woman who moves into this mansion that she, I believe, is trying to sell, but she has to move into it for a couple of days uh, during the holidays just to like be around to show it to people but there's this spirit who used to live there who she falls in love with and they don't really show the fucking but like you get it but it's kind of playing on that fantasy of you know someone that you can't really get and i i guess a a spirit is one of them it wasn't as bad as the other like really crappy christmas movies I watched this year it was it was one of the better ones but still pretty horrible okay guardian angels go (laughs) um I don't know I mean from my own I feel like I am someone who would be open to an acceptance of the existence of them um in my own experiences I feel like there have been times where I've felt protected in a moment but largely I was associating the source of the protection with someone who had recently passed yeah I mean there's a couple moments in there usually involving cars and like close calls and whatnot but yeah I I feel like a little bit aligned with with Quinn in this in this episode like her Mm. her desire to believe and the comfort in that I get that. Um, I was actually talking to Shaddy, our boss, yesterday because, okay, again, I hate to talk about cord pulling again, but I'm going to talk about cord pulling again. I had cord pulled an ex who I haven't spoken to in probably like three years. Wait, did you actually cord pull her again? Yeah. Like after our group cord pulling? Yeah. So, well, I cord pulled one of them, but then on my own, I cord pulled this person because I was like. I need this to like go away. Like I just need to to cut this off um, and to just, you know, do it for myself. And lo and behold, this person contacted me yesterday and Shaddy had just walked into the room right after it happened. And I was like, sorry, 
do you, have you ever cord pulled before? And she was like, no. Oh, I so wish I could have been there for that conversation. I'm she, sure she was fascinated. She, well, she is so atheist and so a skeptic where I was kind of more explaining like, okay, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that like this person felt, you know, something becoming detached. If anything, cord pulling was more for me to be like, okay, I'm concretely putting it out there and to the world and to myself that this person will never be in my life and I'm I'm cutting off any type of like negative energy. I don't wish ill will upon this person. I just do not want to be connected to this person anymore. And if this person contacts me, I know exactly what I'm going to do, which is nothing. <laughs> and she was like, so you articulated that explicitly to yourself. Yes, but I also articulated it to Shaddy, who very much doesn't believe in any of this. But it was definitely a very interesting thing where she she doesn't... That's why it was funny to watch this episode literally a day later, because it is someone who believes in, like, this... Quinn believes in, like, this higher power. And so then we started talking about, um, you know, the phenomenon of when you when you hear a word and you've never heard it before, then you'll hear that word all the time. Or like you buy a certain type of car or you want to buy a certain type of car and then you see that car all the time. We were trying to think of what that phenomenon was. And it's called the, the Bader Mainoff phenomenon, uh, which is also referred to as frequency illusion. It's where, did you say Bader? <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> It's where you happen upon some obscure piece of information, often something unfamiliar, and soon afterwards you encounter that same subject over and over again. It's kind of like selective attention, but I feel like that's totally what this episode is about. She keeps, like she keeps, Quinn keeps running into these circumstances where she believes that a higher power has saved her from this, you know, not choosing raspberry vinaigrette. And she believes that there's this higher purpose for it when, in fact, it could have just been a coincidence. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of confirmation bias involved in it. Like, you know, your environment and events that unfold around you matching what you expect them to be because you're expecting them to be as such. But also what you describe sounds a little bit like the way the the like creepy iPhone ads work now. We're, we're well, that's a like, lot more than coincidence. That's like truly. Oh, no, I know. I'm just suggesting maybe there's like something angelic about them. <laughs> yeah. Where I just Googled something and then the next ad is for that exact piece of clothing. Or not just Googling it. It's gotten to the point where like your phones are listening to you. So like if you talk about an item. Oh, yeah. We tried to do this. I never kept up with it. We said something about like, I want to purchase Nike shoes. And just seeing if it'll pop up on my Instagram. I feel ads. like that it, this the system is so smart now that it knows when it's being mocked. Mm. It, it it only I get that. it only wants to draw out your true desires. I get that. I feel like if I've ever like talked about something that like would be such an indulgence, like something I want but would never actually go for, like that sort of thing will show up. The and- thing that like makes me feel insecure not to have, like that old school form of psychological manipulation and advertising of like making sure people feel less than to not have a thing Mm. well i yeah i was gonna say something self-deprecating go on then no it's okay 
But yeah, it, it was it was certainly an interesting episode. And also that Quinn, it was hard to tell in the beginning if she thought that it was kind of like romantic that in in this whatever piece of art she was watching, the guardian angel was helping her with her tire because then she also has her guardian angel be this guy that she refers to, which obviously infuriates the three J's. And so there were a couple times where it was hard to to pin down if if she felt like a romantic attraction to her guardian angel. Did you did you get any of that? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, because toward the end when she talks about why she had like needed to think about it this way, it was like she talked about it in terms of like someone always being there to take care of her and to be focused on her, which sounded a little bit like an ideal romantic partner mm. in her her set of priorities for that. I always feel like guardian angels are like past relatives that have passed yeah same that's like what mine like close friends or relatives and i told you and Kristen and jenny that one time the story where i had i had like three quarters and i needed a fourth one to buy something it was like for ice cream or some shit and i remember like holding the three quarters in my hand and praying to my mom to to bring me this fourth quarter and then i remember like shaking my hands and then i looked down and there was four quarters that's nuts, man. Yeah, but like, but then I also, the skeptic in me is like, did, was there just one in the comforter that I forgot about? Who knows? That leapt into your hand? Yeah, good point. It was her. <laughs> yeah, last night I had um, a very vivid dream, uh, like way, way more clear and way more specific to actually what's going on in life than usually happens. And it was, I was alone in a room and my friend Dana, the one that passed away, who I'm planning an art show for, uh, came into the room and was like very serious and was like, Laura, you're forgetting one of the most important paintings that I really want to be in the art show. So I'm going to send you an email about it. And she was like, just like keep checking your email and I'll you'll know like through your email what what painting you need to include. I was like, okay. And then in the dream, I checked my email and saw I had an email from her. Um, and there was that moment of like in the dream being aware you're having a dream and being and I was like too scared to look at what it said. So I didn't read it. And then I woke up and look, looked at my phone and it was like super early. It was like 7 a.m. L.A. time, which is a couple hours later where these women who texted me were. But I had a, a couple new texts in the text chain from the two women that I'm planning the art show with. And one of them was saying that she's been receiving strange calls where someone's just breathing on the line. Wow. So I'm just going to be open to what this sort of like email painting reveal is going to be. But she's definitely a figure who is kind of like an honorary, you know, family member type person who I've felt her presence in that way before so i'll uh, keep everyone updated on the the case of the favorite painting please do yeah wow and i also know that like her biological family still has some of her like most um her largest and most important paintings at their house in denver so i'm wondering if there's going to be like an email from them or i don't know we'll see we'll see you want to know something creepy i just realized uh, you're a ghost. <laughs> um, I'm a ghost and I'm dead and I'm hot. Um, no, in 
You say and you're hot? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, like whatever if I, it takes. I, Like, I feel like if I was a ghost, the first thing I'd be like is I'd like look in. Oh, I guess you couldn't look in the mirror. Damn. Why you, can't you look in the mirror? Your reflection wouldn't show up, would it? I thought that was vampires. Could also be ghosts. I, I'm thinking of Casper. Mm. Deep ties to that film. Um, but what's creepy is that I was just about to talk about um, Mr. O'Neill's class. Beware the Ides of March. It is the Ides of March right now. Literally. It is March 15th. Wow. Fuck. We really lined this up. That is a higher power that wanted us to Y'all, record. That is a higher power. <laughs> we did not smoke before this no, episode. But... but this is crazy. I always think about the Ides of March and I like it. Wait, sorry. You always, (laughs) can you unpack that a little bit? You always think about them. I think about the Ides of March every now and again. And it's just so wild that it's maybe the first time this year that I've even said the Ides of March out loud. I used to have this joke about um, the Ides of Mark, but it, it never really, the joke never really went anywhere, which is why it wasn't really a joke. But what I'm saying is, isn't it kooky? That we're talking about the Ides of March and it is truly the day. Yeah, uh, that timing worked out really well. Even with those few random chunks of like time off we took, like we're exactly where we're meant to be right now. I mean, I feel like a higher power did this. Yeah, I think it's our collective podcast guardian angel. Between this, the cord pulling and the Dana angel. Yeah, there's a lot. The, the time is nigh. And the, we're doing the, the an angel is, is podcast? Thick. Whoa. Okay. Slow down there. Today, Shaddy asked me about what my relationship is with my mom. I mean. Shaddy loves to dig deep. <laughs> <laughs> By dig deep, I meant dig deep. Thank you. Please don't take that out. <laughs> she does. I feel like she, once she kind of. Once someone strikes her interest as like, I don't know, I feel like that she'll, she meets people and she's obviously very social, but once she like kind of like acquires a, 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 a cute interest in someone, she's like, all right, I want to figure that shit out. Like, tell me more. Let's. Well, she did follow it up with the most interesting people that she's ever met have lost their parents young. So that was a personal attack on me. She's saying I'm boring. <laughs> okay, let me have this. No, I was just having like a narcissist off with you. Or you know what? Maybe she said people, the people I met who've lost their parents are, are some of the coolest people I know. Something like that. Yeah. It was something to the effect mm-hmm. of like. I, I do think that that is true. And I think that people who have suffered a major loss or trauma early in life, like it just expedites a certain perspective that some people don't really get until later into the, in their adulthood at least as long as someone has like done at least some work to like grieve it and right. deal with it yeah i get that but yeah, back yeah. to britney <laughs> back to other britney whose uh, mom is not in the picture but for a different reason we don't know what happened to her other mom what what happened to her biological mother yeah that's fair what if oh my god what if britney's mom passed away that might actually explain a lot about her depending on what age she was 
the way that I'm seeing it is that her dad probably divorced her mother when her mother started to get old. Yeah, that's why I felt like it was more of a divorce situation because of him going for the much younger woman. And again, I cannot stress this enough. Brittany's stepmom's name is Ashley Amber. My full name is Brittany Amber Ashley. I just can't stress this enough. And Jane called her Amber Amber Ashley. Ashley. Um, mistakenly at the end. Wow. I don't know if you guys have goosebumps, but there are too many synchronicities tonight. Yeah, it's actually very, very creepy. But anyhow, Brittany's parents are throwing her a party because she has a C average. In C minus. Ev- C minus average. Thank you. And everyone's invited, including Mr. O'Neill, who believes he's invited. So we find out that uh, Trent and his band, Mystic Spiral, are playing that gig. And while Trent is hanging out with his bandmate, he's analyzing his bandmate's lyrics as if Trent's lyrics make sense. Like, like Trent will come up with these nonsensical fucking lyrics, but when his bandmate does, he just like stays on it for the whole entire night about like the logic of this lyric. Yeah, he's like a classic music snob who will like pick apart someone's work, but like can't really bring it with his own skill. Yeah, it was really quite wild. I was also really surprised that their genre of music was what they went for for the party. I mean, I doubt that there's a lot of bands in Lawndale. Yeah, but I mean, you could just throw a DJ up there. I feel like there weren't a ton of DJs as there are now. You know what I mean? Like, there weren't as many out lesbians as there are now. Right, right. That is so true. Um, Also, one thing of note was Jane, you know, the only reason Daria ended up going to the party is that Jane was going to go and wanted Daria to come. But Jane made it seem like, oh, I want to prioritize time with you. And then Daria was like, be, be honest, Tom's out of town, isn't he? And that was true. And so, I don't know. Again, not try, not, not going to spoil anything to come, but I just want to take note that this relationship between Tom and Jane is pretty serious. It's been going on a while. And it's so serious that, you know, Daria knows that Jane will always be hanging out with Tom unless he is literally traveling. So just just uh, putting a little emphasis on that. Yeah. Well, well, Jane coerces Daria into going by saying that Quinn would be mortified if she went. So so Daria doesn't even give in to the fact that her friend is only available now because Tom isn't around. She only goes because she's like, OK, good idea. I could embarrass Quinn. So we see Brittany's house and it's clear that she is very, very rich. That house kind of that scene reminded me of the scene in Mean Girls when they pull up to Regina George's house. So it's like that was like the exact mansion, the exact like crazy driveway that's like a semicircle. It it just reminded me of that so very much, but just like 10 years prior. And Brittany's dad has made her a crystal bullhorn with a C on it. and In honor of her grades. Mm-hmm. And everyone is there, including... You forgot about her demon little brother, Brian. 
who you may remember from Lab Rat? I do, and I feel like he is the shoulder devil to Tad's shoulder angel. They do really look alike. They look alike, and they're they're just kind of like inverses of one another. Yeah, I mean, Brian is like, hello, future toxic masculinity, who just like refuses to take no for an answer and is just like bathing in privilege. Yes, extremely entitled, like the kind who would count up how many Christmas presents are for him under the Christmas tree and compare it to his siblings and like freak out if there were fewer. Oh, yeah. But after this, now we are at dinner at the Morgendorfers, which guess what's for dinner? Lasagna. Lasagna. I have never seen a family, even an Italian family, eat lasagna this much. I'm concerned. Yeah, I hope they're regular, you know. <laughs> By the way, I've been talking about poop more. Oh my god, congrats. Yeah. Um the the woman I'm dating actually said that she was proud of me cuz I've been talking about it so much more. Is there anything you want to say? No, I just uh, you know, wanted to put out that out there that I'm like on the road to recovery. We talked about it the other day. Yeah. When when we were walking your dogs and I just thought it would be really funny if, like, we had to bring out poop bags for ourselves. Yeah, and and what that society would look like. I just think it would be a lot more free. Totally. It'd just be like, hang on, I have to take a shit. Yeah, and you just do it. Hey, do you like, have a bag? Do you have if you had bag? the same amount of shame as a dog, which is none. Totally. But it's also, like, you get to, like, choose where you shit. It's kind of fun in that way. Like, Gus takes a lot of time to figure out where he's going to shit, and he tries to do it, like perfectly on a leaf yeah once he's identified a bullseye Mm -hmm. yeah he's gonna do whatever like gymnastics like crow pose it's an art honestly like he needs some sort of like agent but it's also incredibly stressful to watch him poop because it's like seems like it's stressing him out well yeah i mean have you ever lived with someone who needs to get in the bathroom while you're shitting no I hope that never happens. Wait, really? You've never had to shit under pressure? Or under, like, a time limit? Well, no, because I'll usually just choose not to begin the process if I know there's any chance of pressure or interruption. I'd also also like to add, um, I don't shit. Like, I don't have a butthole. Oh, yeah, yeah, me neither. But this is, like what i just i'm gathering from what my friends have talked yeah, about yeah yeah i'm just inferring yeah. from other conversations that i've had i just like yeah so y- you've know people who have had to shit under pressure yeah i've heard of them i don't know any of them personally wow i, I feel like it's my just, my issues know, just leapfrogged from me to you <laughs> that's how it works so we're at the morgendorfers and quinn is reading yes she is reading a book about guardian angels who have saved lives. And so Quinn now is imparting this newfound spirituality onto her identity. And right as she's about to leave to go read the book, she's about a foot away from the chair when the chandelier that Jake was having trouble putting up falls and crashes into the chair, which probably would have killed her. And so she now believes that it was her guardian angel when we as the audience know that it was just Jake being incompetent and not being able to 
fully secure the chandelier. It was very Final Destination-y. I mean, that's why I don't really enjoy flying very much. Have you seen that film? Um, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to call it a film. Have you seen that movie? I did it. I think you did mean to call it film. Um, I did, but it was a long time ago. Allie Larder was in it. Hey, girl, what are you up to these days? Allie Larder? She, I actually, I actually like recently started following her on Instagram. She's like one of those actresses from that, that got their start back then and who are still active today. She was on that Fox show pitch and she's just. Oh, so is my, so is Christian. Oh yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, she kind of flirted with me once when I worked at Evely. I was the maitre d' at this restaurant, and um, she touched my arm a few times, and she a few times. Okay, or maybe she just has like a you never know. Like maybe she just has a really flirty personality where she like only makes eye contact with you, and she's like very like we're in this together. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It was really like drawn. I was like very, and then like when she walked away, the other hosts were like I felt like it was just you two and I was like I know okay did she give you that follow back no I don't I don't think she'd remember me but what I'm saying it'd be like discovering you for the first time again yeah maybe um but yeah I think I mentioned it a couple seconds ago but she touched my arm I don't know if you heard that one time I was uh, catering the party that was to celebrate Rooney Mara's Oscar nomination for Carol. And it was me and Lindsay, my roommate, catering this event. And, like, I guess Rooney Mara had requested that, like, actual, like, lesbian servers. And so, did I ever tell you about this? No, that is, like... It was star. Wow. Studied. And I was feeding them all um, vegan hors d'oeuvres. And know who had major flirt eyes? Who? St. Vincent. Oh. Which is not a stretch to Who's that. she with again? Uh, I don't know if she's still with Kristen Stewart, but she was for a while. And she also No, did... no, no. She's with someone else, I think. She's not with Kristen Stewart. She, she was for a while. No, I think she's with someone isn't a model. It? She's with like that model. Cara. Is it Cara Delevingne? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she also was with, with yeah. Kirsten Stewart for a while. Wow. But also, you know who was a delight and was very like... I also like that you called her Kirsten Stewart. I feel like no matter how famous you are, if your name is Kirsten or Kristen, you're fucked. <laughs> because you're yeah. just going to get called the other one constantly. Or if you're trying to be anonymous, you can just use the other one. Sorry, Kristen King and Kirsten Russo. <laughs> But the the person who was, like, all about me in, like, that sort of friendly, touchy way, but not flirty, I think just friendly, was Sia. Wow. And she also, I have been a big Sia fan for, like, long before she went. Yeah, I was a big Zero Seven fan. Still am. Yeah, totally. But, like, before, you know, and then her solo albums before she started covering her face. And so on some level, I was like, hey, girl, I know. I know. I saw you before you covered your face. Yeah, that's the ultimate sign. Yeah. 
But you know what? If I ever become that level of uh, famous... I'm just going to request that every single person who serves me is queer in some level. That's a great request. That's very cool. I know. I saw in your eyes you were like, Rooney. Yeah. No, I'm not attracted to her. No, but just that you were sort of like, well played. No, totally well. Totally well played. Especially for a Carol party. And yeah, Kate Blanchett was there. I know you're wondering. I was too intimidated. Yeah, that's a lot. That's like... Also, Julianne Moore. I mean, now I'm just wow. doing a shitty, like, name droppy thing. But yeah. whatever, I was a caterer at the event. It wasn't like I was... I'm not like my friends. God, I've catered so many... Ugh. I, if I have to never cater again, my life will be fruitful. I... That was my least... That's, like, my least... That and working brunch were my two absolute least favorite things. The host was a fucking dick. It was Rooney, Rooney Mara's manager and he was this like fucking asshole gay man. And um, this was around the time that my roommate was dating Moby and Moby was there as a guest and Moby had just seen her story and loved it and hadn't seen me since then. So he kept like cornering me and wanting to talk about how amazing he thought her story was, which was really sweet. But I was also incredibly stressed out and like working and, and bussing classes and trying to get people hors d'oeuvres. So it wasn't really working. And so at some point he kind of like came to the kitchen entrance and was like, he, he was going to be leaving soon and dessert hadn't been served yet. And he just wanted to know if he could like grab a cupcake, a vegan cupcake from the back. And so he came up to me and was like, hey, do you think I could get one of those cupcakes before I go? In a very sort of like, hey, buddy, mind if I get one? And the host overheard, and he, like, of course, assumed that Moby was just kind of asking the help. And and he, like, walked up, and he was like, you heard him. Go get him a cupcake. Oh, my God. And then Moby, like, realized in that split second the dynamic he had created and was sort of like, overcompensating and being like oh um this is my friend laura like she wrote this amazing show called her story you should really see it and the guy just looked at him and goes what are you even talking about and then walked away oh my god like he didn't even look at me once he was just like i can't comprehend that you have any sort of like friend relationship oh yeah that completely ruins it like i served for like nine-ish years and I enjoyed giving people a great night. I enjoyed like bringing people food that they enjoy. I enjoyed recommending things. But as soon as like that dynamic of you are just here to serve us and we are better than you, that's when it was not fun anymore. But when people just treated you like you were on their level and managers didn't like micromanage the fuck out of you and like as soon as it started to play into the dynamics of like you are lower than us that's when i didn't enjoy it anymore and you you immediately can tell the type of person that everyone is when you're in that role cuz there were people who were like so grateful and excited and kind of like talking to you like a human being and being like oh like i love this particular order, bring that back around next time you're out here. Totally. Like, you know, you, you quickly identify the islands and it's usually of pe- like friendly fire. Yeah. And it's a lot of people who've probably worked in service jobs before. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and also like they're fucking actors and creatives. Like most of them at some point probably worked in service jobs, not Rooney, because like her parents own the Cubs or something. The parent, not the Cubs, football. She's like from a big, she and her sister are from like a big football family. They've been rich forever. But most of the people there. You know how we got here? 
I don't remember. Final Destination. <laughs> My fault for bringing up Allie Larder. My fault. So Quinn tells the fashion club that she has a guardian angel and it gets brought up when Sandy is wearing the sweater and Quinn gasps because her guardian angel told her that to not get it, which is obviously because Sandy already has it. He also helped her find a missing earring. And uh, all throughout the day, she's basically holding court with all these other classmates where she's telling them about her guardian angel. And you can just see the fashion club and the three J's be affected by it. And like also immediately believe her, like immediately believe that she's a guardian angel. Immediately find it to be a source of envy. Yeah. Something that they have to match and be like Sandy being like, I also have an angel. He told me to get the raspberry vinaigrette dressing. But then she and the rest of the fashion club and did end up getting nauseated by that dressing that apparently her guardian angel angel told her to get. Whereas Quinn's guardian angel told her to not get that dressing. And so it's like, damn, who do we believe? Right. I also really liked the line when Quinn was talking about how her guardian angel had told her not to buy the same sweater that Sandy was wearing. And she's like, something just told me I shouldn't buy it. And Sandy was like, was what, that something the, the, a mirror? mirror? Because... As- Oh, you know, are you not letting me have my Sandy moment? <laughs> you have to be extremely tall and slender to pull it off. <laughs> and then the three J's think of it, think of the guardian angel as a romantic threat. So they quickly personify this hypothetical spirit as a, a suitor a competitive suitor and they decide they need to take him down. And so they all go, they're all at the party. And mystic spiral is playing the shit out of the party. Their song. Every dog has its day is, is really quite beautiful. Uh, up Chuck hits on Ashley Amber. No surprise there. He's not successful. Also no surprise. The three J's are looking for whoever they believe is like the physical manifestation of the guardian angel. And they, for whatever reason, think it's Mr. O'Neill. Although they know he's a fucking teacher at their school. They're still convinced that this is him. And Brian, Brittany's brother, is a nightmare. Runs into Quinn and splashes her drink on her pants. And Sandy makes this like very childish joke about like i hope nobody thinks that you had an accident but okay like we're at a party we're in high school if you're at a party it's normal to like spill beer all over your pants without the immediate thing being like oh they piss themselves that to me felt like a very elementary joke yeah i mean Sandy is peak petty at all times i mean because they made a period joke in like the first half of the show it should have been like spilling something red and is like i hope nobody thinks it was that ides of march Ooh, bringing it back but i think that that would have been a smarter joke i should write to them and tell them that for sure for sure ask Susie for the emails you'll show up in one of their dreams being like i'm gonna send you an email with a pitch for a better joke from episode 11 of season four. The love it. 
I do want to talk about the kind of when Daria and Jane broke it down about what's going on with Daria and why Daria is so bothered by this guardian angel thing. Because that was very revealing. So basically, Daria is putting forward an argument that that's like, you know, watch the bloodshed on the news and then tell me about guardian angels. Like, you know, taking this position of there's too many terrible things in the world to believe that this could be true and also if there are guardian angels like my form of spirituality would not be that they care about whether or not not you leave the house in clogs so both completely valid points but then jane kind of counters with like i think that this bothers you because you worry that it might be true and you worry that people like quinn who seem to have it so easy do so because there's something protecting them and therefore the system is fixed and she'll always be protected and you'll always be on the outside of that. And it's like a rigged system that, that you're, you know, basically articulating in some ways like systems of of privilege and entitlement without using that language. Um, yeah, so I thought that... And then she was like, oh, geez, I'm so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> But Brittany's dad has a few words that he wants to say, and he brings out this crystal bullhorn. And uh, we've already established that uh, while Mystic Spiral were practicing, that if the music gets too loud, then glass breaks, basically. And Quinn is leaning on the mixing board, and while Brittany's dad brings out that crystal bullhorn, she leans too far on the mixing board, and she has the volume go all the way up and the crystal breaks. And so for her, it's less about like, oh, fuck, I just I might have to spend a bunch of money on replacing this crystal. It's about, oh, fuck, I might not actually have a guardian angel because otherwise, like, where was he on that one? And she's pretty bummed about it. And so when she gets home, she sits down and Daria sits down with her and Quinn has this like very human moment where she says that it felt nice to believe in something. It felt nice to like believe that somebody was there and she's sincerely asking Daria what she believes in. And Daria says, I believe in treating people the way that I want to be treated. Um, But she also isn't trying to make Quinn feel bad about her own beliefs. And, you know, it's kind of like tiptoeing around uh giving Quinn agency in this and is like but I haven't seen proof otherwise so and so also maybe acknowledging it's true. that she could be wrong like yeah totally the possibility that... yeah that like she's not the god in this situation she doesn't have the right answers and um she ultimately makes Quinn feel better and she says that she she wants she thinks that people should believe in you know kind of whatever makes them happy and it's this very sweet moment that she doesn't want her sister to give up this hope that she had recently just come across and lo and behold Helen Helen saw it happen and so it it was like a very cool scene between Helen and Daria after Quinn leaves where she sort of like a nod total a total nod without saying it that like that was really sweet of you to do that. And Daria's like, I'm not sweet. I didn't do anything. And she's like, yeah, well, I, you should, you know, believe in whatever makes you happiest, which is what she had just told Quinn, basically. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And, a, and very um, 
consistent with Quinn's character. She, you know, right when you think that she's revealing a little bit of depth, she's like, good point. I'll just wait until I'm in a real emergency, like something to do with my complexion or sudden weight gain. And then my guardian angel will be there for me. Like still identifying that she thinks that this presence is there for these kind of like shallow concerns. Right. But overall, I think it was a great deep app. I got to talk about Allie Larder and the one time she touched my arm. Maybe she touched it twice. Honestly, I probably blacked out. I got to do more names dropping in the last 50 minutes than I've done in two years, probably. So thank you for that, dear listeners. And the only thing I have left to say is beware the Ides of March. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sicker Satter World. We've got a website, sickersatterworld.com. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash sickersatterworld. We are on Twitter at sickersatter. We are also people outside. Yeah. Glad to uh, have you here. I hope each of you is held and protected. And I just want you to all know that maybe we're your guardian angels. Yeah, next time something almost inconvenient happens and then it doesn't, I want you to just remember. That was Brittany or Laura or both. Or both, depending on how many hands it took.